Hey, it's Amelia, aka Big Tit. And I'm Natasha, aka Little Tit. And together, we're, we're the, the Graveyard, Graveyard Girls. Girls. So, welcome. Welcome to today's episode, and it's yes. one of yours. It week. is one of mine, so yeah, you're going to have to strap in because it's a big one. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to strap on. <laughs> No, I said strap in, Natasha. You've got such a dirty little mind. <laughs> right, okay. Mm? So this is a big one. I'm kind of... It's another Victorian murder mystery. But it isn't just one murder. There's a cluster of murders. Now, I found one case, and I was like this, and then this, the author of this book mm-hmm. mentioned a couple of other cases that happened at around the same time. And she sort of threw out there that could some of them have been committed by the same killer. And I'll be honest, I kind of agree with what she's saying. So I'm sort of splitting this episode into two segments. I'm going to discuss the first, the main murder, which is the one that caught my attention. And you'll find out why in a minute. And then I'm going to mention the other murders in the second half. Is this an ego thing? Because it's just John him. <laughs> well, well, I was looking for, obviously, Amelia's that were murdering children. Mm. And for this one... It's a little bit different. It isn't Amelia. Mm-hmm. However... But you get murdered. I get murdered this time as a child. Well, I say as a child, I'm 15. That's a child. Yeah, it is a child. It yes. is now, but back in there, I don't know, like, your She was adult. a spinster back then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so like I said, I'm going to kind of split it into two. So first I want to, um, obviously, discuss the murder of Amelia. And I got the information for this from a book that I've used before, which is Rivals of the Ripper. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then I've also, I kind of had little bits about this case before because when I've been previously looking for other cases um, and I was looking through Police Illustrated News, I found loads of clippings of ones and it was, I'll include them in the Instagram post for this, but it was like travesty and like um, there was something to do with happened to a little girl. Like it just, it looked really bad. And I was like, oh, this, like it sounds interesting. It was like, it looked really dramatic. Yeah. So I saved them and then I was reading this book. And she puts images of some of the Police Illustrated News articles in it. And I was like, I'm sure I've seen this before. And I was like, but I don't remember covering this case. And then I looked through all my saved photos on my iPad. And I was like, oh, I saved these to go back to these cases later. Because I sort of just stumbled across them. And I was like, oh, this is quite handy. Because it's mentioned in this case. So I thought, Mm. well, I'm definitely going to have to do this case now. But what main, uh, well, firstly caught my attention um, was the fact, not only because this girl is called Amelia... But she also bears a very similar resemblance to me. There's a lot of it could be me. So you know how we were joking Ooh. about the whole reincarnation thing the other yeah, week? Yeah, yeah, This could be a case for, like, reincarnation sort of thing. Well, that case, it was just very convenient. Reincarnation could be a thing. Yeah, so I could be a reincarnation Okay. of this dead Amelia. Okay. So... Obviously, she has the first same name as me. And I'm going to take you back to the 1880s first, because I kind of want to set the scene a little bit. And we're going to Portway in West Ham. Okay? Okay. So, a machinist by the name of Charles Jeffs had moved himself and his family from Neath, which was in Wales, then to East London. And according to the 1881 census, he'd then moved again and now resided in a terrace house, which was number 75 West Road in West Ham. Mm-hmm. okay so still part of east london mm. but i'm presuming he's moved for work so i'm presuming maybe wales is struggling a little bit they've popped over to london now because it's like industrial sort of time yeah time, wales is a capital city you've got a hell of a lot of Cap- wales isn't a capital city london is a capital <laughs> city i've had a migraine for the past two days okay. my brain 
is not functioning. Okay, well, you're going to have to hope that the listeners are able to solve this one then, Natasha. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, Wales is the capital city. <laughs> London. I meant London. London. Obviously, okay. that's where all the jobs are. <laughs> yes, so everyone's flocking to this area. So, with Charles, was his wife... A wife? Wife? Oh, I've started off bad now. You've set me off, Natasha. Okay. <laughs> Did nothing. <laughs> with Charles was his wife, Mary Ann, and their daughter, Amelia Jeffs, who was six years old at the time. Jeff's is a weird last name. It is a normal <laughs> We'll go with it's because it's Welsh. Although to be fair, my surname is Thomas. Not, yeah, Welsh. Mm. So th- this is what I'm saying. There's a lot sort of going. It's not the same surname, but we're coming from Wales, and I've got ancestors in Wales. Okay. So, okay. By 1890, they'd moved just down the road to another little terrace house, that being number 38 West Road. So mm. it's like long rows of mm. terrace houses. Mm-hmm. Amelia, now 15 years old, was described as a pretty young lady, which obviously I am. <laughs> no, this, that's the only bit I would say we maybe not got that much in common with. With Don't say that. Blue eyes and long, fair hair. Yes. Yeah, okay, so she looks quite a bit like me. And similar first name. We can throw out there that they say, even though it's not the same last name, it's a Welsh surname. And to top it off and make it seem a little bit more like me, many who knew her refer to her as Millie instead of Amelia, which a lot of people hmm. in my life, well, mo- half of my family call me Millie, they just don't call me Amelia. So I thought, this is getting a bit weird now that, yeah, most of her family members call her Millie. So, mm. yeah, so there's lots of little coincidences and I thought, well, definitely. I don't call you Millie. I, think I know it's you just don't, weird. but I think that's because you knew me from... Sainsbury's, because before I was at Sainsbury's, everyone knew me as Millie. No one mm. called me Amelia. And mm. it was only because when I went to Sainsbury's, obviously you write your name in, like, when I was filling the form in, I just put my actual birth name. So then when I started on the first day, they gave me my name tag, which is Amelia. Mm. So, but yeah, everyone else calls me, like, Millie or Millie Moo. No one calls me Amelia <laughs> other than at work or mm. school. So it's, like, now different as an adult. I've got a half and half. I just, re- I re- always respond to both. Yeah. Because I've got half the people that I know that call me Amelia. And then half the people that call me Millie. But mm. yeah, if I'm like back at home, like my mum's side of the family, they tend to call me Amelia, but all my dad's side of the family all call me Millie. No mm. one calls me Amelia. They never have. So yeah, it's half and half. But I answer to both. So it's fine. <laughs> okay. So Millie was known as a shy and timid girl um, and she'd left school just a year earlier and had had two brief jobs, one as a housemaid and another as a nursemaid, which I believe is a bit like a carer. Yeah. Okay, so she was still living at home and was often relied upon to take care of her two younger siblings and take on some of the housework. Okay, so unfortunately, Amelia's about to go missing. It's 6.30pm on Friday the 31st of January, 1890. Uh, Mrs Jeffs sent Millie out to go and buy, uh, it's said 3D, which I believe is a threepence. So a couple of pennies worth of fried fish at a shop in Church Street, which was nearby. So, Millie was apparently neatly dressed and carrying a basket, I'm presuming, to put in the stuff from the shop. Mm -hmm. So, then a girl by the name of Elizabeth Harmer saw her in West Street and spoke to her, and she claimed that Millie had said she was going on an errand to buy some fish up by West Ham Church. Okay. Okay. A schoolboy also saw her walking that way, though he noticed she was walking much slower than she usually did and appeared to be preoccupied with something. Mm. Okay. This is a weird comment to make, but okay. I'm guessing this is a bit later, like after the fact. Okay. Okay. 
So it would seem Millie wasn't the only one with other things on her mind as Millie was about to go missing. She'd never make it to the fish shop, nor would she ever return home. Mm. Okay, so she somehow, even though it's not very far away, in the space of about a street, she's going to get snatched. So she's in a house. Maybe. Like cars around at this time? No. No, horsemen. So yeah, the man might just pluck her off the street, pick her up and carry her off. She might be light. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. So when Millie didn't return home, Mrs. Jeffs went to the fish shop to ask for her. And after learning that she'd never made it there, Mrs. Jeffs quickly ran to the police. So obviously quite concerned parents, which is good. Mm -hmm. Millie's description was quickly circulated to all of the stations, part of the Metropolitan Police and local West Ham constables were very quick to head out in search of her. Both of Millie's parents also searched for her, but without any success. It would appear the locals were in uproar, as this hadn't been the only time girls had gone missing. As it transpired, a number of local girls had vanished in the preceding years, and I'll get on to them later. Okay? So, obviously, for now, I want to focus on Millie, or Amelia, however you want to... whatever you want to call her. Okay? So, the local vicar, Canon Scott, assured the police that timid Millie... um, who had attended the day school in which he supervised himself would not have disappeared by her own free will and so foul play must be suspected. Okay. Okay. He demanded that all of the empty houses and buildings be searched in an effort to find her. Mm-hmm. I know I don't really like clergymen mm-hmm. and I know as part of the locals like they are going to be involved in stuff. Mm-hmm. Why I just is he don't... like taking over? Yeah, I don't like it. Maybe check the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. And you'll know why I really don't mm-hmm. like him later on. I just, I don't yeah, know. He seems I don't, suspicious. Yeah, I just don't have a good feeling about him. No, especially when he's like, oh, she would never do anything yeah. like that. It's like, do you have her? <laughs> mm, yeah, and I just don't like, he's just like so involved straight away, and I don't like it. Okay, so then on the 10th of February, so about a week and a half, nearly two weeks later, the vicar made an application to the Stratford Petty Sessions for assistance by means of publicity to find to help find Amelia. Mm. So he pointed out that a few years ago, two other girls had disappeared from the neighbourhood of West Road and this, um, and there was a great fear that Millie had been abducted too. Mm. Okay. So it seems like he's the only one aware of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Okay. And when I get onto those other girls later, he might make a reappearance. Uh-huh. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Okay. The following description was publicly released. So, Amelia Jeffs, four foot six inches tall, light hair, blue eyes, and a fresh complexion. Last seen wearing a black frock, somewhat ragged, with a black and grey all-star, which is a bit like an overcoat. Yeah. But a light one, so they called it a daytime overcoat. And a brown and white straw hat, which was turned up on one side and trimmed with ribband. So, I'm thinking just like it had a different colour on the end. Mm -hmm. Dark stockings and buttoned boots. Mm-hmm. Okay. Typical Victorian. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what was the area like at the time? I kind of wanted to know what it was like. In 1890, West Ham was expanding rapidly and rows of terrace houses were being constructed in what had once just been a load of fields. Okay. One of these building operations had been ongoing in the newly constructed portway. So it was known as a portway area, but it's a whole series of um, sort of terrace houses. So you know, like here when they're Put yeah. up a whole new, like, like I don't know, build 3,000 houses. This is sort of what this was. And it sort of had a through fair facing one side. It had West Ham Park. And then on the other side, there was, at this point in time, a terrace, a, a row of terraces, 10. There was 10 of them with 
that were all three-storey high. Okay. Okay. And they'd been built about a year earlier, but only one of them had sold. The others were empty and unfurnished, so they needed to finish some of it. Spooky. Yeah, some of it, I think they just... I don't know whether they didn't necessarily have the funds or they were just waiting for things like plumbing and painters to come in and do it, and then they were going to sell them. Mm. So, obviously, at this point in time, when Millie's disappeared, there's a new houses, but they're all empty. It's like a shell, if you like. Um, then on the 14th of February, a group of police officers wanted to look inside these portway houses in search of Millie, just in case she'd somehow got in. Mm-hmm. They would find the front doors to some of them, find that some of the front doors were unlocked whilst others weren't. Samuel Roberts, an old man who was a caretaker for the builder of the houses, and I'm thinking, he's not doing a very good job of caretaking if half the houses are unlocked. He was able to let Sergeant Forth and Constable Cross, so I feel like, good cop, bad cop, mm-hmm. um, into most of the houses, but claimed to have lost the keys to number 126. And so and so, he said that the officers could not go in there. Since the sergeant and constable were under strict orders from in- Inspector Thompson to search all of the houses, the pair um, made their way round to the back of the property and let themselves in through an unlocked window. Mm-hmm. Okay. Once inside, they soon smelt a noxious odour and saw that the dust on the floor had been disturbed. I think we know where this is going. Did they look into the caretaker, perhaps? Yes. Okay. I'll get on to that in a little while. Because he becomes a big part of the story. Sergeant Forth found a penny and a brooch on the floor of the landing, sorry, and the smell grew, obviously, more potent as the further he went up the stairs mm. until he went to a small front bedroom on the second floor. So that would have been the highest one. Yep. And within a cupboard, he found the body of Amelia Jeffs. Okay. She was lying on her side with a scarf pulled tightly around her neck. So though the body had already started to badly decompose, you could tell that her cheeks were bruised and her facial features were still recognisable. Mm-hmm. So they could tell who she was. Yep. Her skirt... Oh, actually, I should probably give a bit of a trigger warning to this bit. Oh, no. Yes. Okay. Her skirt had been pulled up and her clothes disarranged and her basket was then found lying next to her. So I think you can guess what they're going to insinuate. Yes. Okay, so police reinforcements and the doctor were sent to number 126. And they concluded that Millie had been brutally raped before being strangled with a scarf. Since her footprints could be seen in the dust on the floor, she had clearly been dragged or forced into the house and murdered Mm. there. Okay. So looking, I wanted to then look the area around that individual house so to the back of the property was sort of it's not waste ground but it was waiting to be developed so it's quite muddy and boggy but it's sort of an open field yeah okay and that was to the rear of the property so it looked quite nice from the front a nice pretty street and then out the back was just a bit of a mess it's just a standard building yeah yeah okay um there was only a low fence into the back garden Mm -hmm. so quite easy to get into the property Mm -hmm. i feel Okay. It's also worth noting that af- um, that at the same time, a number of thieves have been stealing lead from neighbouring properties. So a lot of people were breaking in. Yeah. And this is why Samuel Roberts had been employed as a watchman to deter the thieves and mischievous youngsters from breaking and stealing things from the houses. Although I feel like he's not doing a very good job. Well, he's got... That's a lot of... For one man, it's yeah, 100 and he's and like something. an old yeah, man as so well. Yeah, so it's like... Yes, a lot. Anyone's going to like be like, well, you can outrun him. Yeah. 
So I don't think he was much of a deterrent. So obviously Samuel had keys to every house except number 126. And he could not explain how he'd lost them. So at first I didn't know quite how old he was. And I thought, he seems a bit suspicious. As I work out, I think he's quite senile. Okay. So he's either very good at playing the senile role or I think he might be a bit more innocent in it than we realise and he's just a bit of a dithery old man. But like, does he have a son who maybe like mm-hmm. helps him? Yes, yes. Okay. This is like, interesting. So then obviously the newspaper, they're like hot on this. Mm-hmm. And after further newspaper reports, two witnesses came forward. One of them had seen a man leading an unwilling girl towards a row of empty terrace houses, but had not reported it earlier because they le- believed it to be a father disciplining his daughter. So I'm thinking more like maybe grabbing by her hair. Like, you know what kids are like, arseholes, like, just fucking walk down the road. Yeah. So I think that's what they presumed mm-hmm. it was. The second person had seen a man carry a rather large bag towards the portway terraces. So could this have been mm-hmm. a person in a bag? Mm-hmm. Possibly... I think still just off a 15-year-old in a bag is quite a feat. I'm thinking in like one of those naval bags. They are quite large. Mm. Oh, yeah. Okay. Don't really think about that. Yeah. I'm thinking like more like sack sort of thing. Mm. Still a bit difficult to mm. fit in. And she'd still be quite big. Even like, even if she's slim. She's four foot six. She's tiny. She is, but it's still a considerable size. Like you can't just bung her in a bag that easily. Like mm. not quickly. No. Um. Okay, so see, then in the following um, weeks, both Mr. and Mrs. Jeffs were interviewed uh, by the Standard newspaper. Mr. Jeffs was described as a respectable man, and he went on to describe the horror of the dark, damp night that Millie had disappeared. He said he'd searched all night until 2am, when he'd been to police stations, workhouses, and other institutions, obviously just in case she'd wound up somewhere accidentally. Yeah. He described how in the coming weeks he'd kept looking whenever he'd had the opportunity, and he'd revealed that he tried to search the terrace houses in Portway, but that the watchman had only let him into two of the houses and mentioned that he didn't have the keys for number 126. So what's worse is her dad almost got to the house that she was found in. Okay. Mrs. Jess was described as an invalid, although that's what she's described as, but I'm more thinking distraught rather than like an actual cripple. Um, Quite broken down by sorrow for her daughter. She presumed that Millie had been surprised and abducted by some male predator, which mm-hmm. I don't think is too unreasonable to think. No. So then moving on to the 17th of February, 1890, a Mr. C.C. Lewis, who was the South Essex coroner, so he opened an inquest into the murder at the King's Head Tavern in West Ham Lane. After the jury had viewed the body and inspected the murder house, Charles Jeff, who is her father, mm-hmm. was brought in as the first witness. He described the day she disappeared and how she was carrying a basket, a latchkey and money for fish. So obviously not a considerable amount of money. He mentioned how she'd often been sent to this shop and how she was always punctual on her errands. So Mm. it wasn't like her to just disappear. Yeah. Okay. He revealed that Millie had always been a very good girl and she'd never demonstrated any precocious interest in the opposite sex. Maybe I'm just thinking she just wouldn't really... You won't tell your dad tell, that. Yeah, you wouldn't say, oh, yeah, I fancy someone. But as far as he's saying, I think they're trying to paint her as like... An angel. Yeah. Yeah, innocent. Okay. He also noted how she was never allowed to go out past 9pm, so it wouldn't be like her to go out of an evening and meet people. Mm. Miss, Mr. Jeffs again brought up how he'd searched the nearby portway terraces, including number 122, which is literally just two houses down, but the watchman hadn't allowed him into 126 due to difficulty obtaining the keys. Mm. Okay, so now I'm going to go back to the watchman. In a newspaper interview, 
um, a Mr. Joseph Robert, who was a builder who constructed the terrace houses, and the son of Samuel Roberts, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay, the watchman, mm-hmm. who lived just a few doors away, did not deny that Mr. Jess had approached him a week earlier, asking permission to search the houses. But said Mr. Roberts went on to say how he'd helped in the search of these houses, though there had been difficulty finding the relevant keys. He could not explain the lost key of number 126, except for the fact that his elderly father, Samuel, whose memory was very frail, might have left it in another lock by mistake. Okay, mm. but I'm thinking as a builder of these houses, would you not be a bit concerned? Yeah, you wouldn't be missing like, the keys? Dad, you're a bit senile. Can you just look after all these, these properties houses. for me? Yeah, but you only have the one copy of the key. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Yeah. So then it gets a bit more interesting. Um, he obviously Joseph Robinson put forward a hypothesis. 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 <laughs> hypothesis. <laughs> okay. And he was certain that Millie had been abducted and held hostage elsewhere for some days before she was murdered and put in his house, since his son had made a remarkable discovery the day before the murder. Mm. Okay. What is this? Yeah. So then obviously Joseph's son, James Robert, who was described as an active, bright-looking boy at the age of 14. Okay, so not really a child child. No, he's very capable of committing this crime, yes. Mm Mm-hmm had been in the habit of collecting marbles from empty ginger beer bottles. I don't think it means marbles as in like the little round things. I don't know if, I don't know exactly. I don't know if it was like beer bottle tops. I was a bit confused by that, but I couldn't clear it up. Hmm. Okay. So the carpenters who'd been working on the terrace had apparently left plenty of bottles behind. And so uh, James searched the houses on regular intervals. Okay. He claimed that the day before Millie had been found at number 126, he had made a thorough search of the house, including the cupboard in which she'd been found, and that it had been empty. So they're saying she's been killed somewhere else and dumped there. Mm. Okay. Next to speak was Sergeant Forth, and he described how he'd found the body while searching the terraces in Portway. Mm-hmm. And then a doctor... Gregono declared that Millie had been murdered by strangulation. He also noted how she was likely to be a, have been a virgin before she was mm-hmm, raped. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he noted that her boots were quite clean, indicating that she'd been let through the front door by a murderer using a key rather than being led through the muddy backfield. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. A woolen scarf uh, was tied round her throat and deep constrictions uh, round her throat had contained particles of wool from the scarf. So, like, this was really deeply embedded, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay? There was considerable signs of uh, putrefaction and her appearance was consistent with death having taken place on the 31st of January. So, this would mean that she'd been taken and killed within a few hours at the most, which in a way is kind of a relief. I have a question. Yes. So... Like, how many houses in total are there on this street? Ten, at this point in time. Oh, because I was thinking there's hundreds. Because no. it's like a hundred and thingy. Yeah, so, so there's th- lots I of thought, series of yes. streets. It's long, but it's broken up. And this series of terrace, okay. like, they do them in blocks of ten, okay. if that makes sense. Because like, the benefit of the doubt of everyone, I'd be like, well, there's hundreds of houses. You're not going to be like... Yeah, I think this was I'm... like the edge of the new okay. area that was just being sort okay. of developed. Like, I the... get it. To one side yes. of it, it was quite built up. Yeah. But I think they're doing it, like, so they do them in tens and eventually yeah. they'll be double back. Yeah, yeah, But they're just doing yeah. them no, in I understand. short sections. Okay, so that gets rid of my theory of, like, well, there's hundreds of houses. They're not going to be able to keep an eye on all of them. No, yeah. okay, I get so it. So he was just yes. in charge of that one row of ten. Okay. <sighs> okay. 
Okay. So this would, of course, throw out Joseph Roberts' theory of her being mm-hmm. held captive, and it would also mean that his son James was telling Porky Pies mm-hmm. because if she'd been killed weeks before, mm-hmm. and the way her body was found and laid, she would have had to have been in that cupboard the day before. So either James didn't go in the house the day before, or his father's got him to tell a lie. Mm-hmm. Okay, so take that however you want to take it. Okay, I'm assuming she can't be placed there a little while later. No. Okay. Yes. Okay. Well, they said with the way she's body found, you know, like how it all like rigor. Yeah. But then and obviously like... she's badly decomposed. All the bits around is where she's not melted away, but you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, she's it's all been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's been there a while, not 24 hours. Okay. So James's version was also disproved when police pointed out that carpenters hadn't worked in the terraces for months. So obviously. That would have meant quite a while ago, body juices and stuff, it would have had to be more than 24 hours that she would have been there for. Yeah. More likely, like the coroner said, was hours after she'd been killed. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'll see James's version was then further disproved when police pointed out that the carpenters hadn't worked on the terraces in months. So obviously little James would have run out of beer bottles quite a long time ago and he claimed he was going on regular intervals. Yeah. But if the carpenters hadn't been in for months, he would have run out. Yeah, quite okay. a while ago. Okay. okay. So, if he was going in the evening, it also worth noting that if little James had gone in in the evening, it would have been dark and no lights. Yeah, no lights. So he would have needed candles and a match. Yet no matches were ever found, and he never mentioned needing mm. candles and matches to find her. Mm. Okay. So London newspapers were reporting on every detail of the murder and the outcome of the now adjourned inquest. So. At the time, a Mr. Frederick Smith, the mayor of West Ham, offered a reward of £100 for the apprehension of the murderer, and other collections were also ongoing in the local boroughs, um, as well as an anonymous person who had paid all costs for an impressive funeral service for Millie, which was held then on at West Ham Church on the 19th of Feb. So everyone sort of got together. I feel like it's a major, like, this is yeah. terrible. Yeah. I can't believe it's happened in our area. Mm. Okay? That does happen, yeah. Then at the funeral, Canon Scott yes. expressed his grief of the circumstances Millie had found herself in and prayed that the elusive murderer would be brought to earthly justice. Found herself in? Mm-hmm. Did she? Okay. okay. I don't think she found herself in that situation. Somebody mm. did that. Put her in her. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So during the funeral, large crowds gathered with many of them carrying wreaths. They followed the funeral procession to East London Cemetery in uh, Plaistow, where a freehold plot had been purchased to enable a monument to be raised. Okay, Okay, so everyone's clubbing together, which is quite nice. Yeah. So both Mr. Lewis, uh, the coroner, and Mr. Fodden, who was a foreman for the jury, shared the police's suspicion against the Roberts family. So, and I Mm. agree, they all are looking a bit suspicious. Yes. So Mr. Fodden, who's obviously part of the jury, would later uh, be interviewed for newspapers in which he stated there was strong local suspicion that the murder had not been committed by a complete stranger. So he didn't name him directly, but he was a bit like, we're all a bit suspicious of, it's not a stranger. Okay. So then when the inquest resumed on the 3rd of March, Mrs. Jeffs had recovered enough that she could now give evidence. She recalled how soon after... Millie had disappeared. She suggested that her husband search the empty terrace houses, um, with the reason being that they looked sinister and bedraggled, and she didn't like them. Like she had an uneasy feeling when she yeah. went past them. I get that. Like some parents kind of have a feeling. Yeah. Yeah, like a bit of a sixth sense. Yeah. 
So when asked if Millie knew anyone in those terrace houses, Mrs. Um, Jeff said that Millie had on more than one occasion, oh no, I forgot about this bit, <laughs> had spoken of old daddy watchman. <laughs> I don't like that. It's just weird and... Yeah. I don't think it means in that context. No, I don't, but still. Old daddy watchman. <laughs> Is that the... Um, which Scottman? Is, mm, no. Which is apparently a name many children had for Samuel Roberts, which yeah, is the him. really old man. Yeah, I, I, get, I get Watchmen. that. Because <laughs> he's taking care of everything. I know, but it's just... No, I don't like it. It makes me think of something else. Dad. <laughs> Daddy, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I'm very distracted now. It's distracted me now, Sasha. Okay. Samuel, oh, why would you willingly? I don't know. It I don't think he knew about it. It doesn't mean that thing. It's fine. It's fine. Okay. Okay. So Samuel would obviously be the next witness to be called, and it was noted that he seemed rather confused and was having difficulty following the questions put to him. Yeah. Okay. So Samuel testified that he lived with his son Joseph and grandson James at number seventy-one Eastern Road, which was like it mm. was very near to it. But obviously, there's all lots of little yeah, streets yeah. and roads. And worked as a caretaker and did odd jobs for his son, Joseph. He denied ever having met Millie and had no knowledge of him being called Daddy Watchman. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's just creepy, isn't it? Yes, it, it made me recoil. He went on to make a number of confusing statements about the missing keys of number 126. Mm-hmm. So it was then Joseph's turn, um, who is Samuel's son, um, and he went on to testify that though the Portway houses had been completed, they still needed some attention from a plumber and painters to be fully inhabitable. He also noted that there had once been two sets of keys for each house kept in a small cupboard, but that one of the sets for number 126 had been missing for five to six months. Hmm. Mm, Okay. Okay. Why was you not concerned about that? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Okay. But I didn't know if he was trying to set it up that it's been missing for a long time. But also, there should then still be the spare set. So yeah. where have they gone? Yeah. Okay. So the day Millie disappeared, Joseph stated that he'd returned home from work at 6.15 and had not gone out again. Now, obviously, Millie's mum claimed she sent her out at 6.30. So yeah, yeah. obviously, if he's come back at 6.15 and never left, it couldn't have been him. Okay. Mm-hmm. Joseph uh, faced a barrage of hostile questions from the jurors, especially surrounding the keys, to which he'd used his father's bad memory as an excuse. Mm. The coroner put forward that since Millie had no mud on her boots, could the murderer have let her in or taken her in the front door using the missing set of keys? Doesn't have to be Joseph, but whoever has got hold of the missing set of keys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. I am a bit suspicious that they just keep throwing out the whole, I don't know where the keys went. Are they best mates with the canon scott i couldn't find any evidence of this okay okay but again like i said i don't know they are a bit suspicious and they do also crop up later on as well i okay Mm, benefit of the doubt why would you leave her there if it's your property yes no one's probably gonna look but yeah yeah you're not gonna leave her there if you want to then sell those houses yeah unless you're hoping she decomposes that much that she becomes unrecognizable like you delaying the work on the houses for that reason Mm. i don't know Mm. There's a better place to, like, get rid of a body. Yeah, especially if it's got a whole construction yeah. site. Can't you just mush her in with some of the, I yeah. don't know, ground? cement. Do they have cement? Not cement, but can't they just brick her into the brickwork yeah. of the new houses? <laughs> yeah. Not that that's what you should do with people, but... Do you know what I mean? Like, there's other ways yeah. he could dispose of You're not them. just going to leave the dead body in one of your properties. It's very, mm-hmm. like... It's I very lazy this. if you yeah. have. Okay. 
So the inquest was then adjourned again and resumed a week later. Joseph was recalled again. This time he was being questioned about an incident back in November of 1889, so just a few months before. Okay. Okay. In which he'd called the police after some lead and piping had been stolen from number 120. Mm-hmm. He'd been overheard saying that they had got in through a rear window and opened the front door. This obviously referring to mm-hmm. the thieves. Yeah. But it also means that the door for the front of the house could have been opened by someone climbing in through the back and then unlocking it from the inside. Yeah. Which also means they didn't need to have the keys well, that's how the police to break in. in. Yeah. yeah. No, but they didn't go open the front door. No, but they were in. Mm-hmm. Okay, but yeah. it would be half for to fur through an unlocked yeah, yeah, okay. I get it. So they're saying they could, they've hypothesised that someone could have broken in through the back, unlocked the door, mm-hmm. like took it off the latch, mm-hmm. and then lured her in mm-hmm. later on through the front door mm-hmm. yep. without needing the keys. Yeah, yeah. I get okay. it. Yep. So there was then silence in the court when Police Inspector James Harvey testified that, that along with Joseph, he had along with Joseph Roberts inspected all of the houses except for number 134. So this is back in the November. 34. Yeah. Okay. So a completely different number. He was certain that Roberts had opened all of the front doors for him using a bunch of keys and said that he distinctly remembered entering number 126. Joseph Roberts objected to this claim, saying that he'd only let the inspector into five houses number 126 not one of them because mm. he's claiming he lost the keys mm. six months before yeah, so if so this police officer yeah, saying yeah. Oh, well i went in in the november mm. he couldn't have lost the keys mm-hmm, okay? okay however when the policeman's notebook was inspected it turns out joseph was telling the truth the policeman hadn't gone into every house oh the so police this, was lying yeah oh, no. so this then helps joseph yeah, yeah. because it's gone from well he's lying about these keys to know actually no he didn't go in that house so he could have lost the keys five to six months before adding to the fact that someone could have broken in through a back window and then let her in without Mm -hmm. keys it supports that it's not definitely joseph yeah yeah so then james roberts which is the grandson Mm -hmm. so joseph's son was then put back on the stand and he um retold the exact same story again about going to the house the day before and how he'd searched it and not found millie So he was sticking to his story. Mm -hmm. Okay, so then in the summing up, the coroner, Mr. Lewis, stated that although the boy's story must be false, he believed that this was due to the lad mistaking the days rather than flat out lying. Mm. So possible, but uh, I don't know. Well, sometimes you just, you you don't keep track of the days, do you? Yeah, but you would think, because this case is only, but the first time he goes back is literally a week after she's been found. You would think he remembered well enough him going in the day the house the day before or maybe he murdered. never went up all the way because you said it's three story maybe you just checked. yeah but he claimed he did he said there wasn't anything in the cupboard true mm. do you see what i mean like there's yeah. a bit of a thing so i feel like some people put out that maybe his dad told him or to say that yeah or he genuinely went he saw the body uh, trauma happened and he can't remember yeah, knocked it out <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay so there was no further evidence given and so the jury came back with a verdict of murder against some person or persons unknown because there was no physical evidence to link anyone with it. Yeah. Okay. So the case didn't quite end there though because in May 1890, the murder house number 126 was leased for three years to a Mr. Bitten and Mr. Hewitt mm-hmm. who were two officers at the Essex County Council. Though the wives and servants were reluctant to move in the house given its history, they did... And this is where the case goes a little bit supernatural. So I thought Ooh, you well, might it's like Victorian. This. It's going to go mm-hmm. that way, yeah. They're very superstitious. 
One of the servants claimed that she heard ghostly footsteps on the landing just a few days after they'd moved in. Mr Bitten and Mr Hewitt, who did not believe in ghosts, decided to search the house, including the whole of it, and when they opened the hatch leading into the attic and entered the roof space where the system was, they saw that there were some bricks that had been disturbed. They'd left a tiny opening into the adjoining number 125. And in this days, you know, like now we have even an odd numbers. Yeah. This literally went up like one, two, three, four. So literally okay. 125 is next to it. So in this gap, they found two keys with a cardboard label saying number 126. Okay. Mm. So this would Strange be the missing place to keys. Have the keys yes. okay. okay. The families went to the newspaper with a story claiming that the ghostly footsteps were those of the murderer or accomplice returning to the house to return the missing keys. So it was someone breaking in and So the murderer's back. dead. No, or they thought it was a ghost, but actually Mr. Oh, Hewitt okay, they yeah. think it was the murderer breaking in to okay. return the keys. Okay. Okay. As part of the story, obviously, Joseph Roberts was mm-hmm. interviewed and he poo-pooed the idea by stating that it must have been uh, the house painter or the plumber, who obviously who would have been up in the attic for the cistern, must have left them there. Mm. Which, to be fair, yeah. I don't think is unreasonable. And it would explain why the keys went missing yeah. so long ago and then the house has been left, nothing's been done with it. Yeah. Um, the police also weren't very interested in the story and believed it was just... Uh, Bitten and Hewitt trying to make a story for themselves mm-hmm. and stated, why would the murderer want to enter a fully inhabited house at night just to put some keys in the attic? Yeah. You just either dump them somewhere or just not even return them. Yeah. So the whole ghostly thing was sort of thrown out, but it became a bit of a sensation in the news. Yeah, of course it would. Yeah, okay. Okay. So who do we think killed her? Could it be Roberts? Mm. Definitely a strong suspect, mm. but there's no actual evidence against him or his father despite the convenience yeah. loss of keys. Um, so there's not really anyone to massively look at. I'm not suspicious of anyone in the family. No, no. The only person I'm a bit iffy about is Canon Scott. Yeah. Okay. And this is... Uh, yeah, I feel that way as well, yes. I don't, I don't know. It just doesn't sit easy with me. I know I have a bit... I know you can't throw all clergymen under the boat, but when you look through history, a large portion of them doing something they shouldn't be doing and i just don't like it or they're involved in some form of crime yes and it's also very weird that he's like taken over it's like oh we need all these people to like help look for her i get it but it's also usually the murderer kind of puts themselves in the center of the mm-hmm. yeah don't like it yeah so this at this point leaving the goes... body in your own building that's just you why would you i don't know that's just silly. Yeah, it, it wasn't very... If it was Robert, it, was it wasn't clever. Yeah, it was either a worker who worked for him or no one to I do with him. I think in theory, if you're throwing out... Because at first when I read about this one, I thought he was young, young, but he's not. He's 14. I suppose you could throw that. It could have possibly been the son. Yeah. And his father didn't know about it. Yeah. And then obviously it all 14, comes out. 14, he's capable of doing a crime like mm-hmm. that. And obviously he'd be a similar age to her, so she yeah. maybe wouldn't have necessarily been... You know, like, she might have gone and spoken to yeah, him. Yeah. He might not have seemed that out of place. He might have even gone to school with her, to be yeah. fair. Yeah, and he's, he might be like, hey, come look in here. Like, this yeah. is what my dad builds. So he'd be able to easily look yeah. over there. Yeah. Okay. And obviously at 14, he could be more than capable enough of uh, carrying out a sexual act. Mm-hmm. If he's um, hit puberty by this point. So... Hey you. Yeah, you. The one hearing us right now. Welcome to Cryptic Soup. I'm Thena. And I'm Kylie. We wanted to say hey and tell you about our podcast. It's a podcast we both host where we talk crimes, cryptids, murders, 
and a lot of wild stuff in between. You can find Mothman, Jeffrey Dahmer, SeaWorld, Spectrophilia, Casey Anthony, or even Skinwalker Ranch to be just a few of the crazy topics we cover. We even do some fun urban legends to make you feel like a kid at the campfire again. We're just two best friends hanging out, diving into all the things that your coworkers think you're a weirdo for wanting to talk about. We have a new episode every Tuesday at 3 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and we're always open for case suggestions. Our Instagram is at CrypticSuitPod, where our DMs are always open, so slide on in. We always want to hear your opinions about any cases and episodes we cover. You can find our episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most podcasting platforms. At Cryptic Soup Pod, the menu is always overflowing with crazy topics you'll want to hear about. So join the conversation today and come hang out with us. Stay tuned. Yeah. Um, this obviously now is where it sort of brings me on to the second part of the case. Now, obviously... Amelia Jeffs, as I've mentioned, wasn't the only girl to go missing during this time period. And disappearances dated back to the early 1880s. Mm. Um, there was a number of adolescent girls who'd gone missing from West Ham. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yes. So she would actually be the third one mm-hmm. to go missing. Okay? So... These are the ones that Canon Scott brought up as well. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's like, yeah. you never paid attention those to those crimes either. Well, this is it. Well, theirs is a bit different because they're never even found they just by mm. the time amelia jeffs goes missing and is found murdered they're just still listed as missing girls okay okay because no bodies have ever been discovered okay so it's kind of treated a little bit differently i see why yeah okay so obviously as we've already discussed the air in west ham was drastically changing um and was now becoming a major uh, east london suburb so most of the new residents in these are areas were laborers and their families but of course this gave way to new criminal gangs to operate um and take over a new postcode thieves were often stealing building materials from building sites which mm-hmm. prime spot yeah and a large number of gypsy families were living on the wastelands on the outskirts of new housing areas and obviously as we know at the time well even still now today to be fair as soon as crime starts cropping up they're one of the first ones mm. to be thrown under the bus yeah of course okay so, going back to 1881, so this is, what, nine years before Amelia? Mm-hmm. Yeah. According to the 1881 census, 14-year-old Mary Seward lived with her parents and two older sisters at number 98 West Road. So, the same street, okay? And on the 13th of April, Mary's four-year-old nephew had gone missing. So, it's more like he was playing out in the garden and he strayed a bit further. Mm-hmm. So... Um, Mary's mother had asked her to go around all the houses in the neighbourhood to look for him. Mm. Mary left at 6pm and the neighbours recalled seeing a neatly dressed girl knocking on doors. Okay? Yeah. Later that evening, the nephew was brought back home by some other children, but Mary was nowhere to be found. Okay. She didn't return that evening and as the next day followed and she again didn't reappear... Can you imagine the heartbreak of, like, you think you lost the boy... And then like oh, he he comes back and yeah, like, oh. and they're probably thinking she's probably still yeah. looking for him. We'll yeah. give She'll it a bit longer. Soon. And then she's gone and never returns. Yeah. Oh, that's so, so heartbreaking. Obviously, as they go into the next day, she hasn't returned. The family contacts the police. Yeah. She was described as a happy girl, both at home and in school, who got on well with her family, and so foul play was immediately suspected. Yeah. So luckily, Lisa taken it quite seriously, quite quickly on. So the police quickly went in search but were unsuccessful in finding her and the following description was put out. Mary's a girl who looks much younger than her 14 years, has dark curly hair, bright brown eyes and a slight scar on one cheek. 
Her teeth were irregular and quite discoloured, and she was last seen wearing a black cord dress, an apron, a pink and white woolen shawl, and a black straw hat. Okay. Now, I know this sort of clothing is popular at the time, but it's very similar to mm-hmm. the clothing mm-hmm. that Amelia was wearing, mm-hmm. okay? Very dark clothing as well, because I thought, like, mm-hmm. you only wear dark if you're mourning. Well, that's what I thought as well, but yeah. I don't think it more just by that point is it just practical just, yeah. colour. Especially, like, if you've got to walk through mud, it's probably, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I feel like it's quite smoggy and built up and muddy and messy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, then this is where our best friend comes in. Canon Scott, obviously the same vicar as in Amelia's case, um, though obviously this is quite a bit earlier. He was present at the school in which Mary was a pupil. Mm. Canon Scott wrote to the Home Secretary asking for a award to be posted, but he wasn't initially successful. So he's very quickly mm. getting involved. In, like, we must find money to find, mm. to post a reward to help find to this girl. And okay. then he conveniently finds her. Yeah, yeah okay. Beta's so, okay. obviously, and he's not, he's not just like going around locals. He's going straight to the Home Secretary. So he's really getting involved. Odd. And when that's initially not very successful because it's still early days, mm. they probably don't want to put a lot of money forward. He was obviously clearly a very eager clergyman and made sure that every newspaper knew and wrote of Mary's dis- uh, disappearance. West Road. Sorry for yeah. No, I. He's just very yeah. involved and yeah. it, I feel uneasy about it. I don't yeah. like it. Okay, so West Road was obviously soon in uproar and many theories of what had happened were quickly thrown about. First to be blamed were, of course, the gypsies camping nearby. Yeah. Then it was some Italian immigrants oh, living yeah. in London slums. Just basically racism all around, yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they were claiming that they were kidnapping these girls and sending them abroad, yeah, probably yeah. to be used for prostitution. Yeah. Okay. So for all the accusations being thrown about, they still hadn't been able to find Mary. And so by June 1881, so a couple of months later, the Home um, Secretary posted a reward of £25 for the recovery of Mary, to which uh, Mary's father then added a further £10. Mm -hmm. Despite their best efforts, by the end of June, Mary still hadn't been located and the news were soon losing interest in the story. And so she went on as a missing girl. Okay. Okay. Next to go missing is Eliza Carter. Now, she was 13 and living with her family at number 39 Church Street, which is near where the fish shop was, mm-hmm. the thing he went to. So it's off west. Mm-hmm. Okay. So very close. On the 20th of January, eight, uh, 1882. So the first girl went missing in April 81. 81. This is now January 82. But also worth noting for later on, Amelia goes missing in the January. So it's is always, this a significant time? Yeah, it's always like early in the year. Mm-hmm. So okay. could this be significant? Is what I'm thinking. Uh-huh. Okay. Could the event maybe triggering it or something, or is it a crime of opportunity? I don't know. Maybe there's something about that time of year, darker earlier, easy to blow them. I don't know. Okay. So anyway, so she was also living at number thirty nine Church Street, um, in eighteen eighty two, uh, with her family, and on the twenty eighth of January, she set off to number seventy West Road to go and visit her older married sister. Okay. So she's. Basically, just stay away from West Road. Mm -hmm. And Church Street. Yeah. Okay. Church Street? Is that where the church is? Mm Mm-hmm. Quite possibly, Natasha. Mm -hmm. Or at the very least, it's probably on the corner. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Between the two streets. Right, okay. I couldn't find a map for the time, because that's what at first I was looking for, because I was... It's like, you draw a circle and, like, (laughs) what's the common thing? That. But I think at the time, like, still the vicars were very well respected, and, like, he would be involved in it, because he's the the pillar of the community and i think like, i get i don't want to but i do 
it's like obviously he's a church leader he's going to want to be helpful and like mm-hmm. try and find these I just children don't like, but i just feel uneasy about him turn, like, i know you can't throw all the clergymen under the boat but on this occasion i really don't like him all the murders and all the crime that you see in real life and tv it points to him mm-hmm. yep okay so at 10 30 a.m she was to return home to her parents and deliver some mangling to a washerwoman on the way mm. okay so she'd already been to see her sister Eliza made it all the way to the washerwoman. However, she would never make it home. Mm. It then reached 5pm and a schoolboy named uh, Harold said that he'd met her in Portway. Mm -hmm. I really want to see a map right now. I'm imagining it's quite... It's hard because I couldn't find a map for exactly the time. Mm -hmm. Some of the streets are still the name the same. Some of them aren't. Okay. Okay, so some of it changed. But it's lots of like cross sections. Yeah, yeah, it would be. And it's drastically like new terrace houses popping up so they tend to pop up in blocks of 10 yeah and there's some on a corner that may be just in threes yeah. so there's lots of cross sections but this portway it's sort of like a big through fair yeah. it's like there's a park on one side and then this new housing estate is popping mm-hmm. up on the other side but a lot travel through the middle there's one big yeah. main sort of street yeah and there's lots of little cutoffs and yeah. lots of the kids sort of run around the backs of them to like a shortcuts through to yeah. others yeah i see it Okay, so it's almost like lots of, not rectangles, but like split into lots of little sections. Yeah, Yeah. a grid, effectively. Yeah, Yeah, you're probably right. That's the best way to describe it. I am right. I'm always right. Of course, Natasha. (laughs) Okay. So at 5pm, a schoolboy named uh, Harold said that he'd met her in Portway. This is obviously later on when he gets questioned. Mm -hmm. He said that he'd stopped to talk to her since they knew each other from school and that Eliza had appeared quite distraught, saying that she'd been accosted by a strange man and did not dare to return home for fear she'd be in trouble for being out all day. And I think she was also a bit scared of this man. Uh, Harold said that he walked part way home with her so she wasn't on her own but probably not realising the seriousness of the situation parted ways with her leaving her to leave the last part alone mm-hmm. now I see January 5pm yep. it's, it's dark, dark. Yeah. Okay. especially the, there's no street lights mm-hmm. oh. so after Eliza had failed to return home that evening her parents went out in search for her her father, um, who was a poor carpenter, quickly spent all of his savings printing handbills, which is like little posters, yeah. and getting people to help search for her. Eliza was described as very thin, a pale girl with a pinched expression. So I'm just thinking a bit frowny. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, to her face, brown plaited hair, and she'd been wearing a blue kilted dress with a white straw hat and high lace boots. So again, the straw hat. And even though this is a blue dress, I'm thinking dark, dark blue. blue. Yeah. Okay. People soon gathered in uproar and were quick to bring up the missing Mary from a, a few months before. Mm-hmm. Also in the papers at the time, there'd been the rape of a young girl on the 21st of January, so just 10 days before, mm-hmm. um, in the same area, mm-hmm. okay? Yes. Uh, but she hadn't been able to identify yeah. um, the person that had done it, and yeah. she obviously escaped. Yeah. So Canon Scott, who worked at the school that Eliza had been attending, just like the other two girls... Um, had an interest in the case very early on and was asking everyone for donations to post as a reward. So he's cropped up yet again. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's either that he's done it or he's just siphoning off some money. Money. Yeah. Yeah. Because I did wonder when these guys aren't fine, what happens to the reward money? Mm. So yeah. And some of that church money. Mm-hmm. Because at first I was thinking, why are these first few, while they're just missing girls, is he using it to get money for whatever he wants it for and then he just returns the girls later on? Mm. Um, so on Sunday the 29th of January, a boy passing uh, through West Ham, sorry, passing through West Ham Park, found Eliza's dress with the buttons cut off. This led everyone to believe that Eliza had been abducted, mm-hmm. okay? 
local police requested help from Scotland Yard and Canon Scott visited a large number of wealthy residents asking for more money to put forward as a reward. Okay, so he's making sure he stays in the picture. Mm-hmm. Right, he eventually, I mean, good on him, he eventually managed to gather £100 to post as a reward for each girl. So That's a lot of money. Yeah, did get a lot of money. Okay, so in January of 1883, so a year later, there was a store... Uh, there was a story in the newspaper that a decomposed body of a girl had been found in St. Luke's slums um, and people were supposing that it was either Mary or Eliza. However, when both sets of parents uh, viewed the remains, neither claimed them to be the remains of their daughter. Okay, so but it has been a year, so she might not look... The same. Mm. But I'm guessing they were saying that it was recognisable enough. So it could have been one of the girls... But the parents didn't seem to think so. So it was still then declared that the girls were missing. Okay. 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 Especially if you've like just remind, uh, you just remember the day she left, what she looked like. Mm-hmm. She's going to look different. I think as well, the fact that the St. Luke's, it's not too far away, but it's not the same area. They were saying, well, it's a different area. It's in the slums. It could be any girl that's just been, you know, like, because yeah. obviously family, like, people just get dumped with that or yeah. just die in the streets. Yeah. So I think it was like, because the parents weren't certain it was her, or either of the girls, yeah. they said it's not, okay. and left it as that. Okay. okay. Then, I want to mention this next crime purely for the person, but it's a slightly different crime, but I think it's worth mentioning it, and the book also that I got this case from also mentioned it. So then there's a slightly different crime in April of 1882, so just before, so not long after the girls, have, both girls have gone missing, mm-hmm. but before that other body is discovered in the slums. Okay. okay? Charles Wagner, who... Uh, was sent to deposit £150 for his father um, in a bank. Now, his father was a well-respected butcher, so this was a normal amount of money for him to be carrying. And Mm -hmm. then, obviously, he's sent to deposit in the bank. He obviously disappears. How old is he? Um, I think he was about 13, 14. Okay, okay. Okay, so similar age to the girls, but is a boy. Yeah, I just got confused because it was Charles. So I was like, imagine a 48-year-old. Yeah, they're all called Charles then, aren't they? (laughs) Yeah. everyone's got their dad's name yeah okay so then in 1884 which is obviously a couple of years later um someone was arrested for the crime and it later transpired that charles had been lured away to ramsgate by another butcher named james um walter james was put on trial for the murder even though they didn't have a body um, and for stealing money but was only found guilty of the theft and sentenced to seven years in prison so he was saying he just stole the money off charles and then left him on his way yeah um, well, I think he like lured him away to a quiet place to steal the money and then left him. Obviously, Charles has never been found, so they tried to get him for murder, yeah, yeah. but no with body, no evidence no and nobody. Yeah. They only did him for the theft, okay? I mention this case because even though it's very different from the girls, in obviously he was arrested and put on trial in 84. In the following six years, until get, 1890... Uh, no more significant yeah. disappearances happen. Mm-hmm. So those girls go disappearing in 82, 83. Mm-hmm. Charles also at the, in 83. Mm-hmm. He's obviously arrested. James is in 84. Then there's no crimes till 1890 when Amelia Jeffs goes forward. So people were hypothesising mm-hmm. it could have been this James Walters. Did he get seven years in jail though? He only did six. Oh, he okay. got seven. So he got did out. Six, okay, okay, okay. Which would bring him out yes. at about the time that Amelia yeah. Jeffs yep. disappeared. Yep. So you can see why it's kind yep. of yeah, significant. I see. Okay. I see. So then this is going to bring me on to a series of 
Um, wait, wrong one. Okay, yeah. So then this is going to bring me on to a series of other ones that happen after 1890. Now, slightly different, but as these cases will go on, you'll notice some significant... Like, there's certain parts of it that have similarities to Amelia's case in particular, okay? Okay. So in December 1892, so two years after Amelia, 10-year-old Annie West was found dead in a ditch. She hadn't drowned in the ditch as her lungs contained no water. Mm. But that's all I could find on her. So mm. a little bit younger, but similar in age, and obviously has been found dumped. She's a baby. Mm-hmm. And there was suggestions that someone had obviously yeah. performed sexual acts on her. Okay, yes. But besides that, I couldn't find anything else. Then in July 1893, at number five on Beaconsfield Road, another girl called Eliza, this is a different one, Eliza Skinner, who was 11 years old, um was seen talking to a man who was asking her for a way to Main Road. Now, this is a slightly... A a a grown-up doesn't need to ask a child directions. Mm -hmm. Now, it's worth noting these other ones, this is on the east side. So it's like East Ham, they've called it. But it's in a very similar area. Yeah, Yeah, it's really not far away. So they've called this site East Ham, but it's basically literally next to it. Okay. So she was obviously she was also with her brother at the time, and obviously when he was later questioned, he said that they had to pass. The reason she was going to show the man the way was he offered her a penny, mm. but in order to show him to Main Road, they had to pass back the house. She dropped off the younger brother at house and just went, "I'm going to take this man. I think it was like the end of the road. I'm just going to show him to the end of the road." So the little brother goes back in the house. Okay. Um. So, obviously, and she'd also promised that she'd split the money with her brothers. I think it was like, we'll go to the sweet shop later. So, you just go back in the house and obviously the man's offered the money for it. So, Thomas described the man as wearing a blue suit and cap and that he had black whiskers. I'm thinking moustache. Moustache, yes. Yeah. All those, like, the sideburns, they're kind of whiskers, aren't they? But I was thinking, you know, like a curly moustache. Like, would a child think that as whiskers? Because he's obviously younger than her and she was only 11 anyway. So, I'm thinking he's probably like eight or nine. Yeah. Um, so that's maybe how I've seen. But I'm thinking smart dressed man could be Canon Scott. Okay? Mm. Just not in his vicar clothes. Okay? Obviously, later that day, um, her parents returned home. And when they found out that Eliza had not come back, they set out in search for her. In the meantime, it turns out that Eliza had been found by two neighbours. She'd been thrown into a ditch with her legs tied, like Annie. Yeah. Okay? Um, and she'd been thrown into a... Uh, sorry, and her mouth was stuffed with reeds and mud. She was dragged out of the ditch in an unconscious state, so she's not dead at this okay. point, okay. okay, and taken to her aunt's house on Lennox Road. A doctor made a poor prognosis, but the following week she appeared to be starting to make a recovery. Okay. When questioned, she had absolutely no recollection of what had been done to her, mm. and a medical examination had been done when she was found, which proved that the attacker had intended to rape her. So mm. probably glad she'd... She can't recall any of it, to be fair. That's probably why she can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and obviously then wanted to kill her, but it had been unsuccessful due to being interrupted and had mm-hmm. fled to the scene. Yeah. It's worth noting that later on, a number of other people said that they claimed to see a man running in a nearby field at the time. However, he was never caught. So they just obviously see a man running across the field. And I think it's separate people yeah. obviously looking for her. They don't put two and two no. together. So she obviously survives, but she's obviously very similar to that Annie west the one that happened just a few months in the ditch before yeah Yeah. so the way she was found was very similar okay so now this again there's a bit of a gap because this next one is in 1898 so we're going from 92 to 98 okay okay so 
person could be in jail again. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, so a few years, what's that, six years later? So again, another bit of a gap. Mm-hmm. Could be someone in prison or could be completely unrelated. Okay, because this is where the ages change slightly, but I'll, I'll tell you why it ties in later. Okay, so... In 1898, a German immigrant named Henry Voller, who worked as a crane driver, had just moved his wife and children into number 77 Harper Road. Mm-hmm. Okay. On the 31st of December, five-year-old Mary Jane Voller was sent to the nearby shop in Tanner Street to buy a penny's worth of linseed oil for a poultice. So she's obviously his daughter. Okay. Sorry, how old did you say? Five. So age very different. How the, I know people did it, but how the hell do you send a five-year-old to the shop? It's because, and I was about to get onto it. It's literally like fifty yards from the house. So like, it's yeah, a, I think yeah. it's a cross section. The house is there. There's one house on the end. She's got to just cross the road to the shop. That's it. That's all she's got to do. Don't like and it. I think they sort of would normally feel like she's used to it, going out. It's a common thing. thing. Yeah, at the but time. But like, I, can you imagine doing it now? Yeah, you, well, you would. You'd be would you? like. Your child be taken off you because you sent them to the shop. So it's fine. But yeah, so obviously uh, they sent her off to buy linseed oil. Mm-hmm. However, she would not return home, even though the shop was just 50 yards away. Mm. Henry went to the shop and immediately became worried when it turned out she hadn't even made it to the shop. Oh, why the hell did she not even yeah. make it to the shop? So he then, in a quick panic, thought, well, maybe she's decided to get something else and searched a nearby sweet shop, wondering mm-hmm. if she decided she's a five to run off. Yeah, 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 I get it. Okay. But she hadn't been there either. He then ran to Barking Police Station and the constables were dispatched. It was dark and rainy and with only a lantern, Henry started searching in and around empty houses, okay? Mm-hmm. Which I believed uh, at the time were being developed. So like in the other case, there was lots of empty houses about. Mm-hmm. He then noticed there's an open shed by a deep ditch, mm. Mm, okay? As he waded through the ditch, he saw a body floating. It was that of his daughter, doubled up into a ball with her head bent down between her legs and she'd been tied up. So similar to the other girls, even though she's significantly younger, okay? Her mouth and nose were clogged with mud and she was obviously dead, okay? Henry carried her corpse back to Harper Road where Mm. it was then examined by a police surgeon. It was there that they discovered multiple stab wounds, so different Uh, from the girls. Either escalation or a different person, Okay. okay? So this was obviously, um, they and these stab wounds were to her neck and her abdomen. So this was obviously clearly a murder. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe one little positive was the fact that there was no signs that she'd been raped. Good. Okay. So we'll take that as a positive. And her lungs contained no water. So she was dead long before she'd been dumped mm-hmm. in the water. Yeah. That's all I could find on the case and it's never been solved. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then... On the afternoon of Sunday, the 19th of February, uh, 1899, so a year later, six-year-old Bertha Russ was attending Sunday school mm-hmm. on Browning Road in East Ham, so um, near where these other younger girls had disappeared. Um, she was supposed to have walked home from Sunday school to number 29 Byron Avenue, and someone at the school said they'd spoken to her shortly before she left at 4pm. Okay. Okay. But for some reason, she never made it home. Later on, obviously, after police were asking questions, some ladies came forward and they claimed that they'd seen her return to the school gates only to find them closed. So this would have been a short time after she'd left. And that she stood at the gates crying 
and at the same time a young man crossed the road and approached her he was seen talking to her for a while he then left and left her stood at the gates okay mm. she stood there for a little while longer before deciding to run after them uh, in the same direction that the man had gone into yeah. um, which was down Shelley Avenue so it was literally just the next yeah. street so she either knew the man or for some reason felt comfortable yeah. around him um that man they couldn't ever identify who he was but i didn't like that it was at the sunday church school <laughs> okay this would be the last sighting of her her parents who were um of, so this would be the last sighting of her her parents who were dutch uh, quickly contacted the police but after weeks passed and there was no sign of her so weeks passed and there was no sign of her but i also wonder if because she wasn't english if the police weren't putting quite as much no, into finding her they wouldn't have done okay so it then reached so she went missing on the 19th of fair bit then reached march the 5th mm-hmm. and her parents were still out searching for her by themselves um, on this very same day a young married couple were out for a walk and turned into lawrence avenue um, which was a row of new terrace houses that had just been constructed but were empty inside. Mm. Finding the doors to one of the houses open, they decided to go in and have a little nosy to see what they were like inside. So I'm thinking they're probably walking around this new house in the state and thinking, oh, we might maybe buy one of these. One's open. Should we just be a bit naughty yeah, and have a look yeah. inside? Yeah, I see. I couldn't find out who the builders were, uh, but, but I'd be very thinking, interested yes. to know if it was the Roberts. Mm. 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 Okay. They obviously ventured upstairs and opened a cupboard only to find the body of the young girl inside. So very similar, even though she's only six, very similar to how Amelia was found. Or the person that did it either just like, well, I got away with it last time by doing this, or it's a copycat. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'll get into your fears in a minute. I'll just add a bit more on to okay, this case. Yeah, okay, so obviously this body was that of Bertha Russ. Yes. She was fully dressed and a hat had been placed on the shelf in the cupboard. Mm-hmm. At the coroner's inquest, there was speculation that Bertha had simply let herself into the house like the couple had and that she'd somehow mistakenly locked herself in the cupboard. Mm-hmm. Okay. However, the coroner threw this theory right out the door when he revealed that her death was not natural and instead she'd been suffocated. So not okay. strangled like Amelia, yeah. but obviously suffocated. Um, also, Bertha wasn't tall enough to have been able to place the hat on the shelf. So I wondered, could it be like someone playing a game? Like, let's go and play a game. Like, they've put a hat oh, on the yeah, shelf. Yeah, like, look, you... climb in there, yeah, see, see if you, if can, you get can get it. it. Yeah, 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 I see. And then they've either killed her or stuffed her in there and locked it and she's suffocated by not being able to get yeah, yeah. any air. Yeah, So... The inquest returned a verdict of murder against someone, uh, sorry, some person or persons unknown, and the young man who spoke to her was never identified, and so her case again remains unsolved. Yeah. So, although the ages of those last couple were much younger and in a slightly different size, there's obviously striking resemblance. Mm. One, about the whole, that last one, how her body was found, was almost identical yeah. to how Amelia was. Yeah. The other girl the way she was attacked was similar to some of the older girls. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. There's lots of little things that keep cropping up that are little clusters that are very similar. They were obviously all opportunistic, I think. I don't think they were necessarily stalking those girls. Obviously, all the girls in the earlier ones were all wearing dark dresses and straw hats, Mm -hmm. so maybe it had a type. Mm -hmm. I don't like that the clergyman crops up in these. Um, Also, I was thinking... Could it have at first, you know, with the other girls, it had been intended to be rape and then he's accidentally killed one and then got a taste for killing. So, like, the intention yeah, was rape. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, the 1881, 1882 and the 1890 were all on West Road. Yes. 
And then the ones in the 1890s, even though it wasn't the same area, they were all within a couple of streets of each other. Mm -hmm. So, obviously, could the Roberts have moved to a new area and be constructing new things? Also, could Canon Scott have moved to another church and now be operating in this area? Yeah. Or, if you want to go with the uh, James Walters, the other man, Mm. could he have moved area Mm. and now be going for this? It's probably also, like, maybe... Either he's moved house or he's moved job, so therefore he's got, like, more mm-hmm. opportunity. That's it. Or it's just completely different people. It could be completely different people. So, obviously, I think that James Walter could fit the bill for the mm-hmm. first three, the older girls. Mm-hmm. But he was only ever convicted of the theft of Charles, so yeah. do we want to believe he's, like, a murderous pervert? It's a bit too different, that crime. I get yeah, where his yeah. time in prison, yeah. that gap, it fits yeah. it perfectly. Could have been any other person during during this very mm-hmm. similar thing who it just went, so happens he's yes. been convicted of this so he's a good person yes. to throw in as a suspect so i see why he was mm-hmm. thrown in so i've also then sort of come to think of so obviously could joseph roberts have done them all was the next thing that was thrown out now the author of this book also throws something else out and i think it's a very good point okay what if joseph was responsible for the first ones oh and okay. his son did the later ones he might yeah. have witnessed his father doing those taste. early ones yeah, yeah. got a taste for it and that's why these other girls are much younger, younger. Yeah, yeah. maybe that's what he prefers yeah he's already seen it his father's got away with it he knows how to get away with it if his father's still constructing yeah if his father's still constructing now in a new area he knows how to get away with it. He's, like, mm. he's already seen it maybe like he's just reconstructing something that he'd seen before yeah so could he be like a copycat of his own. Explains father. the body in the cupboard and the. Mm. And the striking resemblance good, between yes. them all. And obviously, the other girls, he'd obviously intended to yeah. mess around with them. So maybe, like I said, maybe he had seen his father. Mm. Or even the girls, you know, the ones in between, like, you know, um, in 92, where it was uh, Annie who was 10 and the other girl 11. Obviously, they'd intended to rape those. Obviously, they had died. That could have still been the mm. father and then just the two younger girls being the other boy. Or it could have been. The son yeah. practicing for the first time. That sounds horrible, but kind of. You, well, you know you've got, what I mean. you've got to learn somewhere, haven't mm-hmm. you? If you're going to do this, and they're younger, therefore slightly easier than someone a bit closer in age to him. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, the Roberts family are mm. rather suspicious. I don't think Samuel Roberts, the really old one, oh, no, was anything dead. to do with it. Yeah, I. Th- also, I just I don't know. I think he was a bit delusional by that point. Mm. I don't think it was going to be him. No, but I am very suspicious. Of so you're Robert's thinking Ro- serial killers run in the family? Well, there's obviously like history of it, like it can yeah. kind of like happen. Yeah. But also, like I said, if that other lad he was young, if he was exposed to it with the other girls, like it's not unreasonable to think he'd follow in his dad's footsteps. Plus, it was it could have been that his dad got him to tell that story about in mm-hmm. Amelia's case mm-hmm. to you know sort of bolster. Oh well, she could have she can't have been there a long time because we were only in the day before and yeah. almost sort of throw it off like well, it's nothing to do with us. Um, and it's like two people then go and say like, oh no, there was definitely nothing in the house. It's just unfortunate that it didn't corroborate with, with the evidence. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, there was no evidence specifically tying them besides the missing keys. Mm. Also, it was very convenient that those keys reappeared all those months later. But I do agree with the only thing that then just helped the Roberts out is I do agree with them that could have been the plumber all the yeah. months before doing the cistern in the attic. He's just left it on the side of those yeah. bricks. It's very forgotten to bring them back yeah. down. Shut the door behind him didn't even think about it yeah yeah so i don't know i don't know if you want to link them all together you could i suppose say the last two girls were slightly different apart from the fact that very last one 
was found in the same way Amelia was. Is that just like a copycat? There's clearly stuff linking them together. Otherwise, mm-hmm. they wouldn't be grouped together like this yeah. in a book. I do think, especially the first three, mm-hmm. even though there was the two girls together that went missing, never found, mm-hmm. and then Amelia was six years later, I do feel like those three are all... Oh, the yeah, girls yeah. were all yeah. always identical like yeah. in terms of what they were wearing. Mm. I know you could say that was fashion at the time, mm. but I feel like the fact that we're done, I just think maybe they got lucky and those two other girls weren't ever found. And I think, like I said then with Amelia, it just, it got a bit, oh shit, she's actually been found. So they either had to change how they were doing it, or like I said, it passed from father. Mm. That's only if you want to believe them. But at the same time, and my big main one, and I was really pissed off because I couldn't find anything more on him, I really do not like that Canon Scott. No. I just, he's involved in every single one of those cases. The only one I couldn't link him to were those last two younger girls. I couldn't find out who the clergyman was at the time. Yeah. And it really annoyed me because I was desperately hoping it was going to be him and he was trying to get a reward for the girls. I just didn't like that he popped up in all of those other ones. No, it is a bit suspicious like i get it he's trying to be like a good clergyman but it's also like yeah and i know he is like the person that everyone goes to for help and like if there's a crime and an apple like he's going to be the person that like speaks to everyone Mm -hmm. and reasons everyone i just don't like how enthusiastic Mm -hmm. he was about it Mm -hmm. it doesn't especially when he's like me like you did nothing with the other two girls and they're probably just like what other two and yeah. it's like, I know all about it. Yeah, you did it. <laughs> yeah, and it's like the others just sort of pushed off. I think they just presumed that those girls have been picked off by gypsies. Yeah. They were in somewhere else. Because there was some other stories that I read at the time that they were supposed to be in Belgium or something like that. They'd been obviously shipped mm. over there. Mm. Um, or obviously gypsies move around, they'd taken mm. them with them. Mm. Um, but yeah, I do think, especially the first two, there's, age-wise they could be linked. Even the next two, the 10-year-old and the 11-year-old, you could link them in. The last two are a little bit different, apart from how the... Uh, yeah. In terms of age... But yeah. then there is similarities. I don't know how you would pin that one on Cannon Scott because it does seem quite a bit younger than the other girls. And that's where then that would support that theory of it being the Roberts, the father and the son. son. It's just horrible that it's always young girls that mm. always get murdered. Well, that was it. So it was just... Still is. That was it. I just thought it was an interesting case because there was oh, yeah, lots of is. other murders and I see why like it was kind of all yeah. linked in. And like I said, these other girls, the the uh, Eliza and the birth one, I noticed them separately and just noted them down. Mm. And it wasn't until I got this book and I looked at Amelia Jeffs and I was looking at the Police Illustrated News and I was like, I swear I've seen mm. some of these. I remember what the thing was now. It was girl outraged. That was a thing. <laughs> the thing on the front. And obviously that, yeah. that's how it is. And I was thinking, I'm sure I've seen this clip in somewhere before. Yeah. And then I recognised the names in the story and I was like, oh, hang on. And obviously this author in this book, mm. um, she decided to lump them all in together because they've all happened sort of within the same sort of decade. Well, yeah. I mean, there's going to be something why she thought that it was suspicious and mm-hmm. you can see why yeah so i thought i just thought it was a really interesting one but obviously i had most of it was on amelia i just thought it was an interesting way to break it up yeah so obviously yeah that's amelia looks suspicious like me though she isn't a child murderer she was just a child that was murdered mm. so you never know i'm that. evening it out <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> you're not always the murderer sometimes no. you are the murdered I'm the victim on yes. in this occasion. Yeah. I just didn't like like there was a lot of similarities in that. You know when I was reading, I was like, this is a bit freaky. And then I was like, it See? was literally like the more I looked into it, it was literally like the days after we'd recorded your reincarnation. I was like, this is See? a bit suspicious. It's a sign of reincarnation. <laughs> there we go. So I'm now reincarnated as a dead fifteen year old. Doesn't girl. always mean that you have the same name. No, but it was or very in similar, the same wasn't family. It? Yeah. Yes. It was just weird that even though the last name wasn't the same. 
it was a Welsh. Mm. Well, at least she's come from Wales. Mm. So I was like, how suspicious is that? Mm. But yeah, so I don't know what the listeners' thoughts on this one is, whether they want to agree with one of our suspects or if they want to throw someone else completely in the mix. Because it could have been another worker. It could have been another labourer just someone's time. Yeah. Could have um, just been a builder who works for the Roberts. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, well, I got away with it last time. I'm just going to dump the other one in the house yeah. again. I don't know. Oh. No. Very it's clear, clearly a man. Yes, I definitely think it's a. I definitely <laughs> a think it's a man. Uh, like I said, I really don't like Canon Scott. No. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of throwing him under the bus a little bit there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so maybe the listeners could let us know what they think. Mm. And uh, I guess that's it for today. I think it is. Yeah. In the meantime, keep creeping, and we'll keep digging. <laughs>